What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I had no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And that is it for the 2023 NFL Draft. Welcome to Day 3 Coverage. Adam Mazur, Dave Richard, and special guest, Chris Trapasso joining us today. Chris is uh, a very useful resource right now. This guy scouts everyone. He wrote up uh, so many draft grades on CBSSports.com on our draft tracker. So if you want to know, hey, my team, what do we think about this pick they made in the fifth round? I don't know anything about this guy. Chris is your man. He's going to help us out as we get going through day three. There were nine quarterbacks drafted in day three. There were five running backs in rounds four and five alone. Uh, there were six wide receivers in rounds four and five. And there was a big trade. DeAndre Swift is is probably the guy we need to spend the most time on. But first, Dave, before we introduce Chris to the audience here, uh, what do you think about just day three picks in general? Last year was actually a pretty good year. Uh, but what what can we expect in general from guys going on Saturday? I needed to be reminded of that, Adam. Um, I, I was watching the picks rolling in in round four uh, because I have nothing else to do. And I... I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of, it feels like it's an underwhelming class and, you know, maybe I should go run errands or talk to my family, something like that. And then I, I decided, you know what, maybe I just need a reminder of what last year's day three was like and what it meant for fantasy. And everybody already knows Damian Pierce was drafted. 
on day three last year. Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco. He was just a, a glimmer in our eye last April. And then in August, he became a fantasy sensation and really carried it all the way through the playoffs. Romeo Dobbs had two games with 15 plus PPR points. That's probably as good as it gets for the receivers. But tight ends. Oh, the day three tight ends. Let's hear Chigo Conquo, five games with 10 or more PPR points. K Dot and Isaiah Kelly, or Isaiah Likely, excuse me. Those guys were good for fantasy for a spell. And last but not least, and this is probably the first name that was on your mind, Adam, Brock Purdy. Five games with 20-plus fantasy points last year. And when he's healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't have to tell you when he was drafted. You already know. Yeah, it's irrelevant. But that's a joke. <laughs> you should have kept going. You yeah, I know. Going. But you know what? I didn't want to make it sound like I really thought it was irrelevant. So, you know, it's irrelevant. That was what was going to make it funnier. I, I know, but there were some people would have hated me for it. Anyway, Chris, uh, you heard some of the names Dave mentioned, like the tight ends. At no point were those guys really fantasy relevant, but they did have good games. But, um, but the running back, we also had two years ago, we had Ramondre Stevenson as a day three pick, and we had Khalil there Herbert as a day three pick. Once upon a time, Jordan Howard was uh, RB10 as a rookie. He was a day three pick. Um, James Robinson, undrafted. Uh, what do you, I guess, actually, let me ask you this. Do you see, we've mostly talked about running backs. Uh, do you see a path to fantasy success for any of the guys that were drafted today? Absolutely. And it's kind of funny. This kind of gels with the fantasy perspective that in my scouting grade book, how my system is set up when I'm, grading these players and it spits out a number in this formula that I've set up. I usually have running backs like graded lower than everyone else. I, I am a firm believer that they should actually be drafted on day three. So the names like Isaiah Pacheco, Khalil Herbert flashed a little bit for the bears who was a six rounder a couple years ago. Uh, this is right where I still think you can get quality players, especially at the running backs. But I think for receivers, there's, a little bit of a more difficult path to get those opportunities when you're a fifth or a sixth or a seventh round pick, just to get the reps in training camp with the ones early in your career, but running backs, even if you start as the running back three as a rookie, it's not that crazy or out of the realm of possibility that suddenly by November, you're the starting running back and you're a very useful, um, you know, waiver wire ad for a lot of these owners, um, even as a day three pick in your first year. Anyone that you really like that jumps out like, oh, wow, what an impact this guy could have. I mean, look, the Bengals drafted a running back. You got some handcuffs maybe for the Jets and the Giants. Um, Dallas drafted a running back. Seattle drafted another running back. <laughs> that was not even, and then, then maybe some wide receivers. I don't know. Any, anyone that you it's, – it's, it's, I look, I, I don't want to just – I don't want to completely crap on day three because, like I said, guys come out of nowhere. Um, but – did you any steals? Any steals for you yes, at the skill position? A bunch. Okay. A bunch. I'll start with running back. Israel Abanakanda going to the Jets in the fifth round, 143 overall. Of course, there's Brees Hall there, but he is coming off the injury. And I'm not, of course, going to call him injury prone yet, but there is Michael Carter there as well, who I think was what the first pick in the fourth round a couple of years ago. He was. A Abanakanda, not even 21 years old yet. And in the scouting world, to me, if you are that young and you were a uh, very productive player in college at 18 and 19 years old. That's usually a pretty good sign for how good you're going to be at, uh, at the next level. He had a 320 yard game against Virginia tech with six touchdowns this past season. A lot of people thought, Hey, in 2021, when there was Kenny Pickett there, when there was Jordan Addison, he was pretty good. He got on the draft radar. 
he was going to come crashing down to earth without those players there. And it didn't happen. He has big time home run hitting ability. So even if he's not, you know, getting even 10 carries a game, he could hit maybe a 50 or 60 yard touchdown. He really has that explosiveness and that speed. Um, And I think he's really elusive. He can be that yards after contact force miss tackle player. He was above 30% in his highest season when it came to forcing missed tackles at Pittsburgh. So he was the one that really popped out at the running back spot. I'm kind of trying to go back to all these players I just sure. drafted and see if there's any others that stick out. But that was the one in the fifth round, even behind Brees Hall, with the Jets adding a lot to their offensive line and having Aaron Rodgers, who, of course, that's going to be the focal point of defensive game plans. Izzy Abanacanda, I think, is one. You guys can tell me if he's worth – being drafted, but this is a big time talent that the Jets picked on day three. The answer is yes, because if you look at the depth chart behind him or with him battling for the spot behind Brees Hall, it's Zonovan Knight and it's Michael Carter. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this coaching staff, I think we already know how they feel about Michael Carter. And I don't think anybody was so impressed with Bam Knight last year that he should just immediately be the backup. I think a Banna Candle will have a chance if Brees Hall isn't ready for week one to be the lead running back for the Jets. And I think he's a decent long-term play for Dynasty. You know, it stinks that he's behind Brees Hall, but he is talented. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can bring up one other name, too, that I just, I'm just looking at the wiki page of all the picks at the running back spot. Roshan Johnson to the Bears in the fourth round. I'm usually lower on the powerful runners that take a lot of hits um, just because it, it seemingly uh, shortens that shelf life at the next level, but he was the most effortlessly powerful player where he is explosive and he has such a thick lower half that with Roshan Johnson, you just see linebackers and safeties coming in for the big hit. They just glance off of him. Uh, last season, almost 50% of his runs featured a miss, a forced missed tackle, which is like astronomically high. Of course, everyone is paying attention to B. John Robinson, and rightfully so. But that's another one. Short yardage situations, red zone would make a lot of sense for them after losing David Montgomery. Um, and he was a pretty explosive tester, too. So Roshan Johnson was someone doesn't really fit the profile of the speedy uh, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, long hit or uh, home run hitter that can hit those long runs. But if you want to go for a power back who can excel in today's NFL. I think it's a Roshan Johnson type player, kind of like a Ramondre Stevenson type. Is he kind of like a Deontay Foreman? Right, I was going to say. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And that's actually a better cop. Now right. He's like a foreman. Yes, absolutely. That's that's better than Ramondre Stevenson. And, and that's his competition and for playing time. Yeah, yep. that's his competition for playing time this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were splitting backs. It wasn't exactly 50-50 last year with Montgomery and Herbert, but that they definitely want to have that physical edge to them. That's what this offseason's told me. One of those backs will, will be worth drafting for Foreman or Roshan. Roshan's just fun to say. Yeah, let's, by the way, let's not forget Amandra St. Brown, day three pick a couple years ago. He was terrific, but we don't get a lot of wide receivers mm-hmm. from day three contributing as rookies. But I'm going to read, I'll just read the round four and five guys, and you can tell me if you like any okay. of them. I, I know I've Tyler Scott is a name that has come up just on analysis of read and listened to over the last couple of months. I think a lot of people would like him out of Cincinnati. He also went to the Bears, but we had Darius Davis to the Chargers, Charlie Jones to the Bengals, Tyler Scott to the Bears, Justin Shorter 
to the Bills, uh, Dontavian Wicks to the Packers, Puka Nakua to the Rams, Parker Washington, Jack. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm already in the sixth round. All right, I'll stop there at Nakua. Um, anyone jump out as potential 2023 contributors? Dontavian Wicks uh, from Virginia to the Packers, only because last year you guys already mentioned Romeo Dobbs. Uh, they have obviously Christian Watson at the top of the second last year who had that you know stretch where he looked like a elite future fantasy player. Um, it seems like they're like, hey, we're kind of going to this new chapter with Jordan Love. We're going to have a lot of young pieces in there. They drafted Jaden Reed, who I loved in the third round. Um, Wicks is unique in that he's tall and skinny and kind of has un, uh, unorthodox movements on the field that help him get open against press. And is that rebounder? He's kind of like a, a small forward in basketball. So if there's a bunch of young pieces in Green Bay, obviously Dobbs and Watson would kind of have the leg up already having that year of experience under their belt. But Wicks is someone who tested well that was productive at Virginia that I could see them saying, Hey, look, all of a sudden he's our wide receiver three or four in this offense and was picked in the fifth round. Okay, Dave, I need to get your opinion on Deandre Swift going to the Eagles. Whoa. (laughs) He went to Georgia, by the way. So it really shouldn't surprise you that he's on the Eagles. Most predictable trade ever. Yeah. uh, (laughs) And you know what? A lot of people were, were hoping that the Eagles would take Jameer Gibbs Instead, the Lions took Jameer Gibbs, and the Eagles have DeAndre Swift. Now, before we get into that, real quick, I want you to listen to the With the First Pick podcast because their work is not done. They got us ready for the NFL draft. Now they're recapping the NFL draft, telling you the good picks, the bad picks, how your team did. With the First Pick, please check it out. And we've got a busy week next week. Monday, we'll take a look at some overall winners and losers as the dust settles. Uh, Tuesday, Dynasty. Wednesday, I think, is going to be a mock draft review. Thursday, we're going to get a guest on. Uh, or the Wednesday and Thursday episodes might be switched, but great content for you next week. Uh, I want to shout out to Justin. Justin wrote us an email. He said, just wanted to say thanks. Without the pod, my stay at this Puerto Rican beach resort would be unbearable. Also, I lie sometimes. <laughs> so I wish we could all be at a Puerto Rican beach resort, but thank you for listening on your vacation. That's awesome. All right, Dave, let's talk about it. DeAndre Swift to the Eagles. So you've got Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, theoretically as the top two guys there. And mm-hmm. you've got David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs as the top two guys in Detroit. Who's your favorite running back for fantasy from those two teams? It, it's still David Montgomery. Remember, we're playing for stats. We're not playing for talent. We're not playing for who's the fastest. And I still think Montgomery will begin the season with a big role in Detroit. Gibbs could eventually catch him, could end up taking work away from him to the point where he's seeing more touches per game than Montgomery. But Gibbs has never been a goal line back, and I don't think that he will be asked to do that as part of his rookie campaign. Swift is right in that mix with Gibbs. I just don't trust him to stay healthy, and I don't trust him to be the full-time back ever. Uh, that's the end of that sentence. I think he's going to share not only with Rashad Penny for as long as he's healthy, but also Kenny Gainwell, man. Gainwell earned some cred in that offense with his playoff performance last year. So I don't think they're getting away from him. I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being a pretty messy backfield in Philadelphia where they kind of mix and match all three guys over the course of the season. Don't think you should take any Eagles running back at this point until round seven at the absolute earliest. Oh. And uh, and th- that's just where oh. I come out on it. I totally get that. I totally get that. At the same time, Rashad Penny is, I think, fair to say the most injury-prone 
running back in football. It's it's like clockwork. And DeAndre Swift is so good. I mean, look at this stretch. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Yeah, I'm sure I can. Um, this stretch from DeAndre Swift. Remember he got going his last six games of his rookie season and then the first 10 games of his second season. So that was a 16-game stretch. And in that 16-game stretch, he was on pace for 1,587 total yards, 11 touchdowns, 81 catches. And, I mean, that's that's just what he's been. He's been really good when he's gotten work, and it's usually about 12 and a half, 13 carries per game. It's not even a ton of carries. But he's he's been so efficient. Obviously, the Eagles are a great spot for a running back just in terms of efficiency. He should run well. So I see sky-high potential for DeAndre Swift if Rashad Penny gets hurt. I don't love to play the if-this-guy-gets-hurt card, but that's, like, the easiest one to play. So that would be the counter to that, Dave. But DeAndre Swift is almost like almost like Ken Walker, right? Ken Walker was, if I had to guess, eighth-round pick when ADP was all said and done last year because he was going to clearly be behind Rashad Penny. Well, we shouldn't have cared about that. <laughs> and he ended up being a great pick. So that's my case for Swift. You you, you see Gainwell playing too big of a role for that to happen? And, and Well, you prefaced it by saying that that's if Penny gets hurt. And it, it's probably likely that Penny won't play in two, four, 12 games this coming season. And I still think that, yeah, Gainwell will take a sizable role. They still have Boston Scott. I know they trust him in short yardage situations. So he will absolutely have a role if Penny were to go down. I think you've just got to be understanding that this isn't the exact same situation as what Swift had when he was a rookie or when he was in his second year in the NFL. And I, I think the Eagles have no reason to wedge him into a big role and risk not having him for a bunch of games. So they're going to take it easy with him. I don't think he's going to get Miles Sanders' role. I don't think he's going to take all of Kenny Gainwell's role. And just for everybody to think about, measure him against the Khalil Herberts, the James Connors. Uh, you can measure him against Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. Measure him against the Denver running backs. Are, are you sure you're taking Swift ahead of all of those guys? They all have their warts. There's no question. But I, I don't know if, if Swift is necessarily even the one with the most upside of that group. The Eagles have, they went from 17th in running back targets in 2021 to 32nd. Last year, they threw the fewest passes to running backs. A.J. Brown was there. Devontae Smith developed. Um, Jalen Hurts developed. Mm -hmm. So that's not great. Doesn't mean it's going to stay 32nd. Uh, Chris, let me get your, your take on Swift to the Eagles, and then we're going to take a break. And then I want to get your take on Jameer Gibbs uh, and what kind of a role you think he could have with the Detroit Lions. But what's your take on Swift to the Eagles? Yeah, so my thought, it kind of ties into the signing of Rashad Penny and the fact that, I mean, we'll never know if the Eagles would have picked um, Bijan Robinson because he went right in front of them in the first round just makes me think that uh, the coaching staff there with Nick Sirianni and I think just Howie Roseman philosophically understands that you don't need to pay these running backs big money or uh, draft them really early because they are going to be in such a big committee there I think Dave's point about Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell um, they've had these lesser known undrafted day three running backs that they still get quality production out of. So I, I don't know if there's anyone that is a major, even behind that offensive line and, and how much they're going to run the football is like a major, like need to pick him early in the draft. I think they're going to really 
spread the the wealth around um, with these running backs. And obviously Swift and Penny have their pretty massive injury concerns as well. Yeah, they just they were not really a committee last year. I mean, Miles Sanders had 259 oh, that's carries. True. That's true. And Gainwell had 53. Gamewell had three more catches than Sanders, but Sanders dominated the running back carries. The big problem is that two straight years, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, yeah. He he gets so many of the touchdowns and the carries inside the five-yard line. I think he had 20 carries inside the five-yard line, second in the NFL or something like that in 2022. Uh, so he's, you know, he doesn't help them. But they've still, they've scored 15 and 18 running back touchdowns the last two years. Uh, yeah, look, I guess it's like there is a nice... Uh, pie of production. It's just might be cut into too many pieces, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we'll see. All right, we'll take a break. I want to know what you think about Jameer Gibbs. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about that. Um, You guys, Dave, you weren't on the show yesterday. I'd love to know what you think about the Seahawks running backs and what Pete Carroll's been saying. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You don't want to (laughs) know. We'll be right back. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in lockstep with everybody else, (laughs) including you. Yeah, Yeah. Very angry. All right. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back. So uh, tell me about Jameer Gibbs, Chris, and what you expect in year one between him and David Montgomery. So everyone had the uh, Alvin Kamara comp for him pre-draft. I actually thought he was a lot like Austin Eckler. Not obviously as chiseled as Austin Eckler, but in terms of instant suddenness from the moment he touches the ball and then he can click it into that top gear down the field was the most explosive runner, maybe outside of Devin A. Chain in this entire class, catches it really well. Um, Obviously behind that offensive line, I think in Detroit he's going to be instant – impact type player. They drafted him super early. Uh, I am a big time don't draft running backs in the first round, just in general, like in real life. Um, but of course, picking him there, they're getting someone that I think they want to feature right away. We did see the offense in Detroit, you know, take that next step in terms of the passing game this past season, but what they did to pick Jameer Gibbs as early as they did. And we saw the video of them celebrating Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell. I think they really want to go back to what we thought they would do from the outset of the Dan Campbell era and just run the football down everyone's throats. And Jameer Gibbs can be that guy. He's not just an outside the tackles player. He showed good vision in kind of a classic downhill Alabama running game this past season. 
Do you think he'll eventually take over the role, or do you think Montgomery leads the team in carries? I think it'll be that classic scenario, and you guys could probably rattle off more of these off the top of your head than I can, where we'll hear about it in training camp, and then early in the season, it's, hey, this is David Montgomery's job. He's the veteran. Whether it's due to injury or just inefficiency or, in Montgomery's case, because he is like the polar opposite of Jameer Gibbs, that he's going to do really well laterally and make the most out of those not-so-well-blocked plays, turn a four-yard gain into a six-yard gain when Gibbs can hit those home runs. By late October, early November, when you're getting close to the fantasy playoffs, that's when Jameer Gibbs will start to see that shift where he gets more than 50% of the carries. All right, Dave. Zach Charbonnet to the Seahawks. Mm, well, you know what, Chris? Yeah, like, who do you, who did you think was a better prospect, Ken Walker or Zach Charbonnet? Because people will say similar draft capital, both round two picks. Uh, who did you have graded higher? Kenneth Walker because of the speed. Uh, he ran in the four, high four threes last year. I didn't quite see four three speed at Michigan State, but he was more explosive, I thought, than Zach uh, Charbonnet. Beyond that, though, they're pretty similar players. They're big. They're physical. Uh, I think Walker has slightly better feet, but there were some pretty impressive runs for Charbonnet on film. I I said it earlier, um, the Ramondre Stevenson comp for Roshan Johnson, which you guys corrected me, uh, Dante Foreman's actually better. uh, I think with Charbonnet, that's more of a Ramondre Stevenson, this big boulder of a back that has lighter feet than expected. But yes, in terms of fantasy, and Dave can talk about this, at length, more so than I can. It's just a weird fit after picking someone uh, that finished runner-up in the Offensive Rookie of the Year last season. Go ahead, Dave. So a- after we-, we did this video, as soon as it happened, where uh, we're-, we're all commiserating, it's got like 50 <laughs> comments. Like everybody's, you know, ready to, you know, b- break out the torches and pitchforks in front of Pete Carroll's house. And I, I was driving home after day two from the office. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe we overreacted a little bit. Like they, they didn't have anything at running back on their depth chart and Charbonnet's good, but he doesn't have breakaway speed and Walker's been there for a year and he's more experienced. And yeah, he was definitely, you know, boom or bust as a rusher. One run would get negative yards. The next yard would next carry would be 50 yards, but maybe we just overreacted a little bit and Charbonnet will just, you know, he'll kind of be there, but Walker will still be the main guy. And then it's midnight on (laughs) Friday night and I, I'm looking everywhere for the press conference of Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And sure enough, I find it. And they, you know, Pete Carroll is always Mr. Roses and Rainbows whenever he talks about any of his players. And someone asked him, well, what do you think about Charbonnet fitting into the offense? And is he more of like a, a passing down threat? And he says, yes, absolutely. But so is Kenny. And we're going to we're going to rotate them there, too. And, you know, he just he's looking to use multiple backs. And it's and then I went, you know what? We didn't overreact at all. Just throw a knife right through my heart because Walker was my favorite running back prospect last year. I love the talent. And uh, I don't think Charbonnet is good, but I think he belongs in the NFL. And then here's the last thing. And this is really this is where the second knife comes in. Maybe this one goes in the back. Uh, and they just put me on a spit and they rotate me around. Adam, Pete Carroll is known for starting whoever the best player is. He doesn't, once you're in his building, he DGAF about when you were drafted. So he's not going to look at Kenneth Walker and say, well, we drafted you higher in round two. Um, if, if he's getting outplayed 
by Charbonnet or the other running back they drafted, McIntosh, he will go with the other running back. So I don't think we overreacted at all. I, I think Kenneth but, Walker's stock has, has has sunk, and now I don't even know if I really want to take him in round three. No, I think we sort of settled on. I, I still think I still made a, a case for him as a round three guy because I rattled off. I'm not going to do it again, but I rattled off names of, of running backs who were taken in round two in recent years who did basically nothing as rookies like Derrick Henry. And, and I always mention Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders. Like Nick Chubb didn't do anything until they traded Carlos Hyde. Miles Sanders was uh, like eight carries a game, something like that, very complimentary, until Jordan Howard got hurt. So I do see there are more examples. I do see maybe Charbonnet doesn't do that much this year, but I also see that maybe they don't like Ken Walker as much as I thought they did, maybe as much as everyone else likes him. I don't know that's possible. But the one thing, Dave, I don't think that you can... I just don't think that you should listen to Pete Carroll's press conference, what he said, and care at and react at all and, and say... This is why, because he wants to use two running backs. Because I remember last year in training camp, he was saying one of the questions oh. about Ken Walker was, can Ken Walker catch the ball? And Pete Carroll last year during training camp or preseason, whenever it was, was saying, yes, he can. Well, no. I mean, that was not really a part of his game at all. So he's full of crap. He DGAF <laughs> about press conferences. Like, I like Pete Carroll. I'm not trying to insult him. But he just says glowing things about everybody on his team. And that is to me, is should not be a reason to adjust your adjust your rankings, really. You just can't believe a word this man says. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, here's, here's what I think happened is we knew, or th- you looked at their depth chart before the draft. Their depth chart was Kenneth Walker at running back. That was really it. And so they obviously had a high enough grade on Charbonnet. It was their fourth pick in this draft uh, when they took him in round two. And they probably just said, okay, he's our highest rated player. We need running backs. Let's take him. And we, we can go ahead and ignore what he said in the press conferences. And I have the, like one of the best firsthand stories about Pete Carroll in press conferences. I'll save it for another time. But it's it, to me, it really does come down to who's going to end up playing better in training camp. And if Charbonnet goes up to the Pacific Northwest and he rocks it and Walker doesn't, it's going to be Charbonnet. I don't hate the idea of drafting both if you end up settling for Walker on draft day. Okay. Yeah, can I jump in here for a second on that? What I think to that last point is the perfect segue. We know that, I mean, of course, Geno Smith was great last season winning the comeback player of the year, but Pete Carroll wants to be that run the football team. They don't want Geno Smith throwing it 40 times a game. I mostly agree with you guys that obviously – the presence of Charbonnet hurts Kenneth Walker stock, of course, but they did draft Anthony Bradford, a big, like pro ready guard out of LSU, you know, battle tested in the SEC and Olu Oluwatimi from Michigan, who is probably the best run blocking center in the class. I love those two selections on the third day of the draft. Um, it wouldn't be shocking if like they do kind of get this two headed monster going because for as good as those two rookie tackles were last season, the interior of that Seahawks offensive Bad. line was not very good. And that's why we saw a lot of those negative two, negative three, 80 yard runs from Ken Walker. There could be, there is a world where both of these young running backs could actually be fantasy viable. Of course, splitting time is, is not going to help them, you know, become stars. But I think that pick Charbonnet, along with the two offensive linemen that are pretty high floor players, 
makes me think that the Seahawks are actually like trying to go old school with Pete Carroll and run the football a ton with two young, pretty spry backs. Makes you feel great about Jackson Smith and Njigba in round one. Mm -hmm, For sure. Well, it doesn't make me feel great about Lockett, Metcalf, and Jigba in in fantasy for this year. If they're going to be a bruising team that throws the ball, that goes back to the old Pete Carroll ways, you're going to need some great quarterback play, I think, um, for for great wide receiver production. And you know, I was looking, I was looking at every year of the Pete Carroll era. Did he ever really split? There were some examples later in the in the Chris Carson era. 2018, Chris Carson had 247 carries in 14 games. That's pretty good. Mike Davis had 112 carries in 15 games. And Rashad Penny actually had 85 carries as a rookie that year. He was a first-round pick. He didn't really Mm -hmm. factor in. Keep that in mind. He got hurt. Uh, I don't remember how many games. He he didn't buy. uh, Yes, but he didn't. uh, How many games did he play that year? I don't remember. He had 85 carries, so he played a decent amount of games. 2019, Chris Carson, 278 carries. Uh, No, 2020, I want to look at. Chris Carson, 141 carries. I looked at eight games where Carson and Hyde were splitting. Maybe maybe this is a a good guide. Eight games where Hyde and Carson both played and didn't leave with injury. Carson had 101 carries. Hyde had 52. Could be something like that, you know? Could be a two-to-one ratio. How he... Walker didn't play a lot of third downs last year. I bet the majority of his third downs last year... We're third and short. Right. And probably didn't ask him to pass block. Uh, Chris, you got an idea of how well Sharp pass blocker? I don't have that off the top of my head, but I know that at his size, I mean, he at least projects to be a pretty good pass blocker. And I do think, although we did see a little bit, I believe, from Ken uh, Walker as a receiver last season, Charbonnet does have pretty good hands. Um, It wasn't like a Jameer Gibbs type or an Evan Hall from Northwestern type, but there could be a little bit of wiggle room for him to get on the field because I think he at least starts his NFL career as a uh, more projectable pass catcher out of the backfield. Schneier would know about the blocking. We'll get an answer. So let's um, let's go through a few news items here. The Eagles getting DeAndre Swift, but also another trade to maybe talk about. But according to uh, Ian Rappaport, Trey Lance could potentially be the number three quarterback on the 49ers if he isn't traded. Uh, got to talk more about that at some point. But Dave, I mean, in in Dynasty, I mean, is this the time to trade for Trey Lance or forget about Trey Lance? If you can trade for him, sure. You shouldn't have to give up very much for him. Is a second-round pick too much? I, I think if you're really loaded in your Dynasty League and you want to take a shot on a quarterback with some upside, I think a second-round pick works. And the reason why I'm still optimistic that Lance will get an opportunity someday is because he's only played in eight games. He's just had a really rough start to his career. And so whether it's in San Francisco or somewhere else, he'll get another chance. And you just have to hope that he he comes through when he gets that chance. We don't know. We don't know how Brock Purdy is going to heal. And that's really the whole thing. Like the Niners already talked about it, that when Brock Purdy's healthy, he'll have a leg up on being the starter. He's the one that led them into the playoffs last year. So if he's healthy, obviously Lance won't play. If he's not healthy, Lance is going to compete with Sam Darnold. Four career starts for Trey Lance. And he also played with an injury as a rookie. A thumb, I think it was, where he was he had a broken thumb, I think, is basically his entire Might have been that. Yeah. rookie season, and he was throwing in a completely different way than what he normally does. And uh, one of those starts was that like 
torrential downpour to start the in season Chicago. Was right. Bears. That was yeah. week one of, of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Colts owner, Jim Ursay said that you learn from playing when he was talking about Anthony Richardson. So perhaps that gives you an <laughs> idea of what they are going to do with Anthony Richardson this year. And the Broncos acquired Adam Troutman and a seventh round pick from the Saints for a sixth round pick. Troutman is a former Saints tight end, so he's reunited with Sean Payton. Any, Dave, any winners or losers that you want to talk about from day three? We should probably run off the names of running backs that didn't get much competition uh, added to their teams. Let's start with Rashad White in Tampa. Looks like he's got a clear path to being the, the lead running downs guy for them, if not a three down guy. Um, Tony Pollard in Dallas, they, they added Deuce Vaughn, and I am a Deuce Vaughn fan, but I don't know how much he'll really cut into Pollard's workload. Uh, Eckler, and to another extent, Joshua Kelly, because I don't think the Chargers... Did the Chargers draft a TCU running back? I know they drafted two TCU wide receivers and uh, Hacksaw Max Duggan as well. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if, if they've got another TCU running back there, but I think Eckler survived. Joe Mixon basically survived. Uh, he's still the the top running back in Cincinnati as we sit here right now. Who am I missing? Who else is out there? Mixon um, is so interesting. I mean, they they yeah. did draft a running back in round five. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Yeah, what do you think about him? He's 5'11", 205. What kind of player is Chase Brown for the Bengals? He's pretty explosive, but not crazy elusive. So, like, not Jameer Gibbs, but that type of player where if he does get – a seam or a crease, he can hit some big plays. Um, tested well. I didn't really see the athleticism translate over to the field, um, but kind of a different player than uh, really what they have in that backfield, even with Joe Mixon. So I think Dave's right that it's not a real threat to Joe Mixon there to pick a fifth-round running back. How do you compare Brian Robinson going into his second year for the Commanders to Chris Rodriguez, who's 5'11", 224. That's a big dude right there. He was a sixth-round pick. Believe it or not, and I loved Brian Robinson last year. I I remember watching him early when he was barely getting carries at Alabama, and I was like, this guy's going to get drafted eventually. Chris Rodriguez is actually more of like a bulldozing running back than Brian Robinson. I I don't know if in today's NFL that's good or bad, but there could be a path where... In goal line situations, they think that he's more of a hammer because at Kentucky, he stayed that extra season. I thought he should have come out last year. Uh, He looked even bigger, almost looked like a fullback, but kept most of his athleticism. So I think Robinson is a more talented runner, the vision, the cutting skill. But talk about like old school battering ram type players that will blow up linebackers in the hole. That's Chris Rodriguez. So Similar styles, and it should still be uh, Robinson's gig, but there is a little space for Rodriguez to steal some of those goal line carries. Dave, would you rather have Tony Pollard or Bijan Robinson this year? I think I'm going to end up being a Bijan fan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? But seriously, Pollard. I mean, this is amazing, and maybe they bring it's back good. Zeke. It's is really good. It's can... really close. Yeah. Um, okay. Who, oh, do you think, as of right now, if Mixon stays on the team, second round pick? What, what Weigh him against Kenneth Walker at this point. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who would you rather have? I think I'd rather have Mixon, but put it in pencil, please. <laughs> yeah, Mixon played pretty poorly last year. 
and he still that one game. Yeah, I know. He still mm-hmm. was a top ten running back. So because of that one game per game, he was number well also because he had sixty catches in fourteen games. I think that absolutely changes this year. I think Burrow's a dot goes up or air yards per pass attempt go up. Uh, I, I think uh, he barely Mixon didn't even play on third down. So unless he's a third down back, I don't think he's catching sixty passes in fourteen games. But but uh, sixth per game in PPR, Joe Mixon. It's it's like it's hard to overlook. I know he's not necessarily a great running back, but he's going to get all that work. Um, okay, let me take a break here, and we'll come back. We'll wrap it up. We'll talk about some of the other prospects here. Get some thoughts from Chris Trapasso uh, after this on Fantasy Football today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Thanks for uh, everyone for, you know, hanging out with us all weekend. If you were up late on Friday night and Saturday night watching live, that's really cool. If you're watching right now on YouTube or watching on demand, please hit the like button. Would help us out. Appreciate that. Hit like. And great. We love the audience. Thanks for all the submissions to the draft contest. You know, it's just it's a lot of fun to do this stuff, and you're a big part of it, so thank you for that. Okay, um, let's talk about the quarterbacks. We haven't really talked about any of them. What did you think about the quarterback class in general? And first four picks are Bryce Young, one, C.J. Stroud, two, Will Anderson, three, Anthony Richardson, four, and then nothing until Will Levis at 33 overall. But three quarterbacks in the first four picks, and then Levis in round two, Hendon Hooker in round three. Chris, give me uh, your summary of the quarterbacks. I thought it was a good class uh, and maybe verging on a great class, but not amazing. Uh, I I loved Anthony Richardson. He was my number one quarterback, finished just ahead of C.J. Stroud. I was like one of the few people out there that wasn't like totally enthralled with Bryce Young um, in that the poise, the accuracy, all that is certainly there, the creativity. I don't know that he's going to be able to do a lot of those ad-libbing plays against NFL defensive ends and linebackers who are faster, a lot faster than even in the SEC. And the arm strength is a little concerning to me. The situation in Carolina is good. I just love Anthony Richardson's situation um, with Indianapolis, with Shane Steichen. We've heard about it a million times with the Jalen Hurts connection, Justin Herbert as well. Uh, The one that was kind of weird to me is the Hendon Hooker in Detroit, because by the time he plays, he's going to be a like in his late 20s, most likely, even if it is just next season. Um, so I was surprised that there were as many quarterbacks, but I think 13 or 14 ultimately went off the board. I think everyone's trying to find that Brock Purdy. The only problem with that is with Brock Purdy's success last season, you need Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Shanahan calling the play. So a lot of surprising quarterbacks ultimately went off the board on the third day of the draft. 
I have a thing for Max Duggan. I when this guy plays, like I want to run through a wall for yeah, TCU do. quarterback Max Duggan, who was the last one drafted by the Chargers. I don't think he's going to be as good as Justin Herbert, but <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say I like Max. Could he be Duggan. a backup? Yes, yeah, I, the I, answer is yes. I don't know if he can be, but I I just love the way he played. He was one of the he just put everything on the line. Um, so that was cool. Okay, let's go to the running back class. Two running backs in the top twelve, which is shocking. But we've spent so much time on Robinson, Gibbs, and Charbonnet. Do you see any other running backs or situations that you like? Kendry Miller to the Saints, Tajay Spears to the Titans, Devon A Chain. People were circling that one to the Dolphins. Yes. Tank Bigsby oh, to the Jaguars. Those were the day. Those were the round three picks. Uh, anything that you really liked, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to go with a name that Dave mentioned to me before I jumped on. Dwayne McBride, seventh round pick to the Minnesota Vikings. We obviously don't know what the future holds for Delvin Cook. They drafted Ty Chandler last season. There's probably another backup that's escaping me right now. Alexander but, Madison. Yes, Madison from Boise State. Um, Dwayne McBride. A lot of people, including myself, in the you know scouting community thought he would probably go earlier on day three, was the bell cow at UAB, uh, forced a missed tackle on just over 35% of his rushes last season, which is a pretty high number. Now, we didn't get to work out during the pre-draft process, which I think maybe contributed that people weren't really sure like how good of an athlete is he. I saw someone that was built to run in a wide zone scheme, big frame, uh, contact balance, vision. He's kind of just that advanced runner that makes the most of what's blocked in front of him and can get more than what's blocked in front of him at times. Not a home run hitter, but I could certainly envision him, again, by October or November being suddenly, hey, he's the guy, this shiny new toy that Kevin O'Connell really likes in an offense that has a pretty good offensive line. So Dwayne McBride is the one. Later round guy, I get that, but we did start the show saying that you know a lot of these late round running backs do have a path to immediate production in the NFL. McBride averaged 4.7 yards per contact per carry after contact. Yeah, dude, he's good. Second best in the country. And uh, he does have a fumbling problem though. Four fumbles in 2021, five fumbles in 2022. And uh, one guy though, that fumbled four times in his last year in college was Tyler Algier. He did not fumble once with the Falcons in uh, on 210 carries. But McBride does have a bit of a fumbling issue. Dave, talk about A-Chain. Uh, is he going to be uh, A-Chain or Charbonnet right now? What do you got? I, I might find myself leaning towards A-Chain. I, I love that his, his competition is a bunch of old guys, and he's, he's super fast, man. Just go watch his clips on YouTube. You'll see. And in a one-cut offense that the Dolphins use for their run game, man, he can he can turn, like Chris talked about earlier, those four-yard runs, they might be four-yard runs for Jeff Wilson. They might be 25-plus yard. They might be house calls for A-Chain. So if he, can, if, if he can take on the wear and tear of playing running back, he's a little guy. But if he can handle it, man, he would be outstanding. And we know that he, theoretically, does have a clearer path to being a lead running back for multiple years compared to Charbonnet. So you could you could maybe make the case that A-Chain's the better dynasty back than Charbonnet. Both of them are risky picks. A, Charbonnet should have been a top three pick or maybe top five. Uh, 
in one QB dynasty rookie only drafts. I don't know if he goes there anymore. I don't think there's a chance of it. So they're going to be kind of in that same range, maybe around like eight, nine in rookie only drafts because of the landing spots behind some of the wide receivers. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Chris, we had four go in the first round back to back to back to back picks. Uh, What are you overall thoughts on the wide receivers and who contributes in 2023? Who makes a big impact? Um, Of those first rounders, uh, Probably Jordan Addison, even though, I mean, I guess from a fantasy perspective, we know that Justin Jefferson is going to get a ton of those um, targets. But I think Jordan Addison's game, he called himself or, or, or like said that his style was a lot like Calvin Ridley. He's kind of in a Calvin Ridley-like situation where I was lower on him as a prospect in 2018, but he landed with kind of still in his prime Julio Jones and was like a 900-yard receiver in that first season or like right around there. I could see that for Jordan Addison, where he's not going to ever be, I don't think, that pure number one. But with a lot of one-on-one coverage, I think he can be really good right away, runs good routes, smaller, not a tremendous athlete, but knows the nuances. Um, to to jump to the uh, day three, because I was just looking at these guys, two players, and you can maybe circle one of them, the Patriots picked when I was doing the draft grades, I'm like, why are the Patriots not picking any weapons for Mac Jones? And of course, last season, it was one of the more boring ho-hum offenses in the league. Kayshawn Boutte from LSU. If you look back at the mock drafts, I probably did last May, right after last year's draft. He's in the first round in all those mocks. His yards after the catch ability is tremendous. It's not AJ Brown caliber, but it's close. And he's got that similar frame. Did not test very well. There may be some off-the-field concerns, but that's more of a scouting issue. Um, Underneath, I think he can be a real weapon for them. And then Demario Douglas from Liberty, kind of the classic old-school Patriots slot uh, wide receiver, very explosive, short area quickness is through the roof. And despite him being like 5'8 and 175, made a ton of like extended or arms-extended catches at Liberty. So he actually has a decent size catch radius for Mac Jones and will really create yards after the catch. So those two kind of s- stood out to me later after I was waiting for the Patriots to pick receivers. I like that those guys are players who excel underneath because that's really where the Patriots pass game lives. Is Zay Flowers going to be the, the best wide receiver, not tight end or receiver, but just wide receiver on the Ravens this year with Odell Beckham, with Rashad Bateman, with maybe Antonio Brown. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> uh, Dave, is Zay Flowers going to be the best wide receiver on the Ravens? I think he can be. So I'll say yes. And I know that it's it's tough to say Odell has been away for a year from the ACL. He should be good to go. We know what he's capable of. Um, Bateman's been an underachiever since he came into the league. I just I love the way that Zay Flowers plays. He's got great speed. He catches whatever he can. He doesn't have a huge catch rate. He's not a big guy, but he he zips everything right into his hands. And we talked about it leading up to the draft. He can beat double teams. He can beat bracket coverage. He can torch man coverage. And I think he knows Lamar. I think they're from the same area in Florida. Don't quote me on that. Um, I think my son told me that. So there might be some sort of a connection already there. Bottom line is that I just I really like the talent of Zay Flowers, and he shined last year at Boston College, even though he had terrible quarterback play. And it it seems to me, just read the tea leaves with me. 
Odell signed for $15 million. I just spit when I said that. $15 million by the Ravens. And now first-round draft capital on Zay Flowers. They want to make their passing game good. And I think that Zay Flowers will help them do that. Okay, and Chris, let's talk about the tight ends. And really fun. I mean, fun group of tight ends. We got one in round one, and then we got a flurry in round two. Um, Who's your favorite? And uh, what do you think about 2023? Okay, so Darnell Washington graded out as my top uh, tight end, but to land in Pittsburgh with Pat Fryermuth, fantasy perspective, not great. We'll probably first start as that blocking type, and then they'll kind of slowly acclimate him to the pass game, which I do think he has a lot of long-term upside as a receiver because he will just run through anyone, jump over anyone um, with the ball in his hands. We were talking about Darnell Washington playing tackle, though. I think that's a possibility that they're going to move him to the offensive line. I think he's a better receiver than that. I mean, this was like the number two athlete in the country, 2020 coming out of high school, ran four, six, four, and he is gigantic. I mean, he's six, almost six, eight, two sixty five. So he's one of the biggest tight ends we've seen in a while. I think though, eventually, and I was kind of on an Island with this, think that he can be a good um, pass catcher, but he's different. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not going to create separation. I think he can do it a different way after the catch. Which leads me to the segue of Sam Laporta, the early second round pick by the Lions. There was kind of some thought that, hey, maybe this Ben Johnson offense doesn't really need or want to utilize a tight end. Then they pick a tight end this early. Laporta is kind of like George Kittle light. And that's not just the Iowa connection. Yards after the catch, tested through the roof. Um, He's really good in that area. So They do have some weapons in that offense. I certainly thought they could have used more, and they did that with Sam Laporta. I thought that was great value. And, yes, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get a lot of targets, but Sam Laporta, I think, was kind of held back in terms of the volume at Iowa because the quarterback play was so bad, and they wanted to run the football like 50 times a game. That was probably my favorite um, tight end pick relatively early in the draft. Not a Kincaid guy? So I was lower on him. Uh, I think he just finishes my tight end four. Uh, Separation, explosion, it's going to be there. After the catch, I'm a little concerned um, that why wasn't he better after the catch? In 2022, he was good. But earlier in his Utah career, I didn't really see that from him. Older prospect as well. And I do still think that Josh Allen wants to spread the football around. And last season, um, Dorsey did not do the greatest job even featuring Dawson Knox after they gave him that big contract extension. They've talked for two years now in Buffalo that they want to run more 12 personnel, have two tight ends on the field a lot, and it just hasn't materialized. So until I see it with Kincaid and with this offensive philosophy, um, I'll believe it then. So it's more that Laporta, I think, jumps into a situation where he can be a focal point and be on the field a lot more frequently than Dalton Kincaid will as a rookie. I'm just going to warn you. You be, you better on this show when it's me and Dave, you better be very careful what you say about Ken Dorsey. Quite possibly my favorite football player of all time. So just, you know, we had a couple of hurricanes here and, uh, you know, just, just, just watch it. Bill's yeah, offense. Because Adam might later. slam his <laughs> fist down on a laptop and then throw everything off the counter. And then someone <laughs> comes and grabs the camera and moves it. So you can't see what he just did. Oh man! Like one of my first nights out, I went to I th- yeah, I think I went to Hooters. Remember there was a Hooters right across the street from campus, Dave. I don't know if you there was, was never there. a Hooters there, across there was. the street from campus. Or I was in, or maybe it was in the Grove. 
It was in the Grove. Yeah, it was in the Grove. And I met Michael Jordan there. Ken Dorsey was sitting there, and it was like, oh, starstruck. And that was the only time I ever saw Ken Dorsey when I was in college. But that's my Ken Dorsey story. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you. Chris Trapasso, thanks, man. It was great stuff. Yes, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Dave, thanks, guy. Yeah, dude. Talk to you on Monday, Dave Richard. And talk to all of you on Monday with a bigger, a wider recap of everything from the NFL draft. Have a great weekend. See you then. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.